styles upon styles upon styles is what I have. Ah, uh, what a well, we did. Uh... God, sometimes I look at the songs we've done in the past, mm-hmm. and I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Which ones? Has I mean, you suspended? Some, I mean, just like songs that I can't. Remember Are you looking back did. at what number we were on? It was one fifteen when we did. Dude looks like a lady. That was pretty recent. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's not that's not too far off. I mean, well, we're on like one forty something now. Yeah. Well, yeah. sometimes you got to do it, yeah. and 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 we have to do it, and we've got to do it. Welcome to Lyrics to Go, the podcast where we take a deep dive into lyrics that are questionable at best, but have largely dodged public ridicule until now. I am Mark Davis, and I'm here with Seth Ford. How are you, Seth? For starters, how are you, Mark? Um, okay, it's a football Sunday. It's a football Sunday. And I just want to say 726 yards, 70 points in one if for one team, uh, second in both categories all time in the NFL, the Miami Dolphins. We've got a lot to look the forward to. The greatest football team. Take the ball from goal to goal. It's a happy, happy day in the Ford household, knowing that uh, some of you might know that we are huge Miami Dolphins fans, born and raised practically, and uh, and it's and it's a happy, happy day. Um, looks like the Cowboys are losing right, right now, and the Jets lost to your Patriots, which you and I both – come on, look over here. Look over here. You and I both can is. agree one thing. It's a good day when the Jets lose. Yeah, you and I were talking both about how we uh, watched Hard Knocks, and Hard Knocks definitely gives you a insight into a team – that makes, even when it's a team you don't like very much or you despise, makes you have a little bit of a soft spot for him. Uh, that soft spot evaporated today. <laughs> um, and I was very, very happy to watch them struggle and lose to the Patriots. It was not a good win. It was not a beautiful win. No. Um, but, but they won. It was a win. It's all that matters. So the Jets lost. So. Absolutely. So we're good. The, yes. All is right in the universe. Indeed. Um, How's the rest of your week gone? Good. You're feeling um, better. Mark was not feeling good for a I while. I was a little sick. I think the last... Uh, I can't remember was the last time we recorded. I recorded No-No. You were fine. I was definitely phlegmy uh, uh, and not good. Mm-hmm. Um, not 100% right now, maybe, mm-hmm. but damn close. Yes, you are right. 90%, 90% or so. If you're, not, if you're not okay, you're putting on a damn good front. Yeah, no, no. I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling pretty good. Mm. Um, I might have a little bit of a... Uh, Maybe a little bit of Kathleen Turner rasp, a little yeah. sexiness in mind, because not from, I think, being sick. I don't think so, anyway. Uh, it's mostly from my daughter ran a race day before yesterday, and I was screaming my head off. And mm-hmm. uh, I could have used probably a lozenge after, and maybe even right now, but uh, hey. had a lot of fun. She ran a, a, um, a 3K in 12 minutes and 44 seconds, which is extremely fast for a human being, and even more fast when you think that she's only 11. Well, um, that is amazing. I can I will tell you, I can walk a 3K <laughs> in two days. Me neither, pretty much, right? <clears throat> so, I I'm there, yeah. That's something. But we had a lot of fun. It was a good week. But we are not here to talk about races. We were done talking about football. We're here to talk about a band that we've talked about before, Mark. Yeah, and semi-recently, um, I probably uh, I probably kept this in the intro. Um, we, uh, we, we did this band... Um, just a mere 30 something episodes ago. Yep. Um, but when I was looking around at songs that I wanted to do after some of the heaviness and some of the interesting things that we've been doing instead of just like slamming about how dumb a fucking song is, 
I saw this and I said, it's just too easy. Oh, yeah. We've just got to do it. This is fish in a barrel. Yeah, so we're going to do Love in an Elevator by Aerosmith. <laughs> um, so we were talking a little bit before recording. Uh, this song is on the album Pump. Uh, we, we had a little bit of a debate. Well, on this in the, the last, the last episode, episode, I said, yeah, that it was I thought it was on Permanent Vacation, which is the album just before Pump. I was wrong. <clears throat> yeah. And it's on Pump. Yeah. And I, I, I knew that it wasn't on Permanent Vacation. I thought it was either on this or Get a Grip. Right. And it was on this. This album was released in 1989, September 12th. Never for almost never forget. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, 1989 off of Geffen Records peaked at number five on the U.S. charts um, and then certified septuple platinum. In 1995. It's what they do for a living. It is. Yeah. Uh, this album had a wealth of singles. Um, the Other Side, which was, I think, kind of a modest single. Do you remember that song? Um, Loving You Has Got To Be, Like the Devil in the, the Deep, Deep Blue, Blue sea. sea. Well, this is the album that really that, that really set them over the top. I think, I think, you know, you could almost call them sort of a fringe group. I mean, not not so much. You heard them on the radio, but in popular music, they were regarded almost strictly as a hard rock band. But then this thing happened called Janie's Got a Gun. So Janie's Got a Gun was another one of the singles here. So yeah. It there set was, them in a whole different stratosphere. Yeah, there were yeah. there were four singles on this. There was The Other Side, which as I said was kind of a modest single. I don't think it did super, super well. Mm-hmm. It did have it did have the music video that was a very creepy thing where he closed his eyes and he had eyes painted on his eyelids. Yep. And he says, You blinded me with love and yet it opened up my eyes, and then he opened his real eyes. And as a kid, that creeped me the fuck out. I thought it was cool as shit. There was Janie's Got a Gun, which, of course, was about someone being fucking abused and then getting a gun and killing their abuser, which which was heavy. It sucks. What does? It sucks. They're not. I don't. I don't think of them as that kind of a band. They're too party, man. Yeah. Well, you know, you know I mean, they started getting, you know, they started getting older. And I think they, you know, I guess I, I love Janie's Got a Gun. Do I think you? Janie's Got a Gun is a fucking fantastic. I think it's song. a good song. I just don't like to listen to it for the reasons that I love Aerosmith. OK. Yeah. Uh, there, another single they had is a song called What It Takes, which is a fantastic song. Oh. Hol- holy shit. It's. I'm going to say it's my favorite Aerosmith song. Is it really? I think so. See, I'm I'm going to go back to it's, rocks. It's got it's got fucking accordion in but it. But it's up there. It's so good. It is. And it's another modest hit. It may have been a little less of a hit than um the other side. Um it's a love song. Do you want to know why it's through so great and through to me? Hmm. Without thinking you're caught with 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 uh with, <clears throat> Without thinking, you think the, the things of the tone, that the life of the toss of the dice. It's just the structure of it's those so lyrics, the structure of how they're presented, and 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 the and the wails at the end of every line of every verse. Mm-hmm. I just think are fucking awesome. They sound it's so, so good. good. It's like it's it sounds like a guy that is that is beautifully in pain. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very kind of like countryish. Yeah. Um. He he also says, but girl, before I met you, I was F I N E fine. Right. There is a song on the album called F I N E. So it's kind of self-referential. Uh, that's a little too geeky, probably for the average person. Um. But I mean, I love the um, I love the chord progression of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I love what it takes. We love it, it's that. It's probably record. my favorite. It's probably my favorite song by them. The record is good. I was saying previous to recording that I think that this album Pump 
is their black album by Metallica. If mm-hmm. you know anything about Metallica, um, you know, their first three albums, uh, Kill 'em All, um, Ride, the Ride Lightning, the Lightning and, and Master of Puppets. Puppets, had their original bassist, very, very heavy. The occasional slow song that was about like suicide or something heavy. Um, and then they, and then their bassist tragically died in an accident. They went on to put out an album called Injustice for All, which was through and through political. It is a political album from start to finish, anti-war, anti-corporation, anti-littering, anti-treating the the planet like shit. It is a political fucking album. Mm -hmm. And as Seth was saying while we were talking, I know we've talked about Metallica before. We're not doing a Metallica song, but I just want to get this kind of out there because it was a basis that was not their original bassist, they had Jason Newstead. They mixed the bass really low because they hated him. They were they were just mad. They didn't like the parts he was writing as a bassist, they said later on. Um, and a lot of people were like, oh, well, this is like bad Metallica. Then they put out the Black Album, which was decidedly way more radio-friendly, a lot less thrashy. There were a couple like pretty fast songs, but for the most part... That's when you started getting your, you know, nothing else matters, your wherever I may roam, your slower songs, your kind of unforgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, I was saying that I thought this was Aerosmith's kind of version of that. I was mistaken, though. It's Get a Grip, yeah. the album after this, that I think has like crazy on it and stuff like that, where they really started like radioing it up. Um I don't know why I'm saying all this. Uh, all this is is leading up. This to... is just what this is the type of stuff we talk about before the show. Yeah, it's the kind we, of stuff I we, think about. Yeah, and and I I do I, as well. Um, just to mention, Mark and I both saw the, them on this tour at the Lee Civic Center around 1990. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really really great. Really 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 good show. So the th- the four the four singles was the very very popular. Janie's got a gun. The average popularity uh, hits uh, what it takes. And the other side, and then another monster hit, "Love in an Elevator," which is a song that we're going to talk about today. I, I picture everyone hearing the at the very beginning right now. You've, you've edited that in. Um, yeah. So, what about this song, Mark? Tell well, me about I mean, it. it's uh, you know, like we said. I mean, the other side. Um, it, it, the other side and um, what it takes are love songs. Yes. I mean, they're songs about wanting to be in love mm-hmm. and, and you know, um, wanting to be in a relationship. Janie's Got a Gun, like I said, is about domestic violence and protecting yourself with firearms. Um, you know, kind of like heavy, not party stuff. Mm-mm. Then there's Love in an Elevator, which is... Even in the standards of Aerosmith, writ large, is an an inspiringly horny song. It is wacky to the gills. And the music video <laughs> it must have had so much cocaine going on in it. It is just absolutely wild. Um, I I got to question that for a second, Mark. I sure. think that they were. This is. I, I think we're looking at post cocaine um, Aerosmith here. I think it was. Ju- I think Permanent Vacation was the album that they came back and they were like, "We've all gone through therapy." Joe Joe Perry put out his a solo record in 1983. I think they got back together to make 
permanent vacation in 87 and this came out in 89 and they had kind of you know uh become grounded again even though this song in no way sounds grounded at all it sounds completely off the rails but i think we might have a cocaine-free uh, uh, Aerosmith at this point. You're probably... Well, yeah. I don't know if they were doing it or not, but I think... They might uh, have been doing it behind closed doors. I think doors some other people way. were probably doing it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this, uh, this, as I mentioned before, um, was released in 1989, September 12th. Um, and this album is, it, it says in Wikipedia, is tied with its successor, Get a Grip, as Aerosmith's second best-selling studio album in the U.S., mm-hmm. behind Toys in the Attic. Um, and they won a Grammy Award for Janie's Got a Gun. So if you need to know whether or not people dug that song, and it, it got them a lot of attention. It was right up there with um, Nirvana. Well, Nirvana kind of came along and stepped on their crotch. Mm. But uh, but this but if you were alive in 1991, you heard Janie's Got a Gun. It was everywhere. Yeah, and then uh, this song was also uh, J- "Love in an Elevator" uh, became the first Aerosmith song to hit number one on the mainstream rock tracks. So uh, you know it's wild to think of all the songs that they had out beforehand um, that did well but did not do this well. This song is when they it, you know was basically like the second coming of Aerosmith and um, like you said, kind of like a revitalized Aerosmith Mm -hmm. uh, where they were clean and they were getting shit done. Um, Well, this you're, you're right. This is Aerosmith 2.0 and a lot of people try to put permanent vacation in with that one, but that did not have nearly the sales or the popularity of pump and get a grip. These were astronomical sales and popularity. Yeah. There's not much about, the song in the Wikipedia article. Well, um, there's a little bit. I mean, you know, where they recorded. Produced by Bruce Fairbairn, um, who they had worked with before. This is the the lineup. Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, Brad Whitford, Tom Hamilton, and Joey Kramer. Um, who Joey Kramer, I think we talked last time, had a little bit of a issue with them. Some, uh, some issues with them uh, as far as, like, lawyers and, and people kind of going back and forth and he was not going to be in the band for a little bit and then he was in the band yeah they didn't let him into a show or something like that yeah i think they were playing like maybe a residency in las vegas is what my memory is saying yeah they had Um, two guys singing backup on it bob dowd bruce fairbairn um that's that those are it's they're just on the recording listing is doing backing vocals where the hell those guys are i have no idea now these days um so this song is is it is said by steven tyler was inspired by one of his pre-sobriety days when he found himself in a hotel hot tub with a bevy of women. When they moved the party to his room, they piled into the hotel elevator wearing nothing but towels and bathrobes. One of the ladies decided to have some fun and push all the buttons in the elevator, which brought it down to the lobby. When one of the girls opened her robe to show Tyler her goods, the elevator doors opened, giving the crowded lobby a look. So apparently that is Steven Tyler's um, and then, story about it. And then some of us have to work on trucks for a living. <laughs> <laughs> life, no one said life is fair. No, it's not. It's totally not. Um, this was written by Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, the uh, the Lennon McCartney of of uh, <laughs> of Aerosmith. Uh, it says this is in song facts, so I'm not saying this. Go ahead. Musically, it was a fusion of different ideas they came up with at a jam session. Buddy Miles was an influence. <laughs> Buddy Miles would probably blow his fucking brains out if he knew he was an influence of the song. 
Uh, pretty much. Um, Tyler- Did you ever hear that they were called? You know, they were um, Keith Richards and Mick Jagger are known as the Glimmer Twins. Have you ever heard that? That's like a yes. nickname for the two of them together. And Steve Perry, I mean Steve Perry, Joe Perry and Steven Tyler are known as the Toxic Twins. Oh, that's perfect. I've heard that mentioned all through the 80s and 90s. Haven't in the last 20 or 30 years, though. Go ahead. I think this is very funny. It says, Tyler came up with the lyrics but was concerned that the title was too juvenile. <laughs> so Perry pointed out they already had a song called Dude Looks Like a Lady, which worked out very well for them. So they went with Love in an Elevator. And, of course, the two songs that we are doing on Lyrics to Go, Dude Looks Like a Lady, followed by... Love in an elevator. I just have such a hard time picturing Steven Tyler going, oh, it's just too childish, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just, I can't yeah. hear that coming out of his voice. Yeah. And uh, then, and then Joe Perry being the voice of reason saying, dude, this is from the band that brought you <laughs> dude. Looks like a lady. And then in parentheses, parenthetical, looks like a lady. Yeah. You brought the a song. St- I mean, the song is called dude. Yeah. If you really think about that it without is, the yeah. parenthesis. I hope Aerosmith plays Dude tonight. It's very weird. Um, Brought to you by Bill and Ted. (laughs) Yes. So should we get into it? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. I I can't wait to do these fucking lyrics. The song, can I just say that as wacky and goofy and stupid as these lyrics are, the music matches its stride for fucking stride. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's just it's, silly. The man. music video is—it's like a carnival song. We'll I have mean, to get into just, it later, but yeah. the the fucking music video is fucking bonkers, uh, bananas, go nuts. It's the triumvirate, man. You've—they've they've, <laughs> they've hit on every, on all three cylinders. Jesus, if you're going for wacky, all three to have done it. In the beginning, we had an intro with a a, a young lady named Catherine Epps, who says, second floor, hardware, children's wear, ladies' lingerie. Oh, good morning, Mr. Tyler. Going down. And then you hear a guy go, eh, ooh. And, Almost Beavis butthead. And like, I believe in the music video, it's not Steven Tyler saying that. Well, it's some other guy. She's saying something different. In She says something different, I think, in the music video. I think she says the same thing. Does she? Yeah, I think well, she does. he doesn't do the laugh in the music video. No, he does this. Um, He does like he's clutching his pearls. Yes. He does this like, oh, my, like he's shocked. And he and the other members of the band in their like 80s come 90s best business for then, mm-hmm. um, looking like they stepped out of the movie Mannequin, basically. Um, you know, like back then where everybody was wearing um, like no ties, but they wear like maybe a bolo tie or something. And like, you know, they have like a, a chain earring in one ear. Um, so, you know, they're rockers, but they're they're fancy. They're like wearing like their rocker fancy clothes. Well, in the video, uh, Joe Perry is clad in, of course, no shirt. Well, but this, a is, vest. this is before this is in the very, very beginning. Oh, OK. I'm they're sorry. all walking up to the elevator and and. Steve Perry has, uh, or Stephen Tyler, Jesus, this is in Journey. It's going to be that. Stephen Tyler has a big floppy hat, and um, he, he's wearing like something like a matador would wear, kind of. It looks like it's very, very <laughs> weird. Um, and he he like clutch. He's got like a painting, like something coming out of his eye. Uh, it's very weird, Mark. 
I wish I could get away with wearing clothes like that. Well, I, I'm sorry. No, I mean, it's fine. I, I never ever could. I'm just there's nothing about me that says that. But goddamn, if he wasn't, if he walked into a place, he, he looks like a fucking party. He looks great in this. Yeah, he looks like a, he's amazing. You can understand, like when people when women talk about how hot they think that uh, he is now, I'm like, I don't get it. Um, but back then, I, I mean, and when I see this, I get it. Um, in the in the video. Uh, Playboy uh, Playmate of the Month for October 1987, Brandy Brandt is uh, is playing the uh, the part that is originally said by Catherine Epps. Um, <laughs> Seth is closing his eyes and remembering Dude. the deep cleave. <laughs> He's allergic there to is, titties. There is. <laughs> Can I sneeze some more, ma'am? <laughs> um, there's nothing wrong with the way that these ladies look. No. Oh my goodness. They they very eighties. A lot of people point to this era: Bobby Brown, Cherry Cherry Pie, Warrant. Uh, dare I say these ladies are just as good, if not better. They yeah. are very beautiful. They remind me of the uh, the uh, very attractive lady slash ladies in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, yeah. I got like that yes. feathered hair. Um, yeah. 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 Okay, ladies. <clears throat> so um. we get the <laughs> yeah. Um, and then our big drum fill, and then we get our first verse. Working like a dog for the boss man. Working for the company. Betting on the dice I'm tossing. Gonna have a fantasy. But where am I gonna look? They tell me that love is blind. I really need a girl like an open book to read between the lines. All right, Mark. I like how he puts himself in the shoes of every man. <laughs> Right at the very beginning. Yeah. You know, working like a dog for the boss, man. You know the man's never worked a day in his life. <laughs> yeah. You know? He's reaching back to when he was like 16 years old. <laughs> he wants to be relatable, though. As if he doesn't like go out and have sex with every woman that he walks in front of. Yeah. And yeah. the first two lines are basically saying the same exact thing. Mm -hmm. I'm working like a dog for the boss, man. I'm working for the company. Okay. Living up the high life, tossing those dice in a, in, in a casino somewhere. Good-looking waitresses walking by, bringing free drinks to Mr. Tyler. Mr. Tyler? Yeah. <laughs> Going down. Um, Another whiskey sour. These lyrics are just, uh, they are, in my in my estimation, just him saying a bunch of lines. Pretty much. Um, betting on the dice I'm tossing. I'm gonna have a fantasy. Like he doesn't have, he doesn't live the fantasies of millions of guys every single day. Well, so betting on the dice I'm tossing. Okay. Uh huh. What? What does he mean by that? Like he's betting on himself. Like he's like, uh, like, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe it's like he's shooting his shot. Okay. You know, with a woman, well, like I'm, I'm shooting my shot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step over that edge and say the thing that she's either gonna slap me for. Or she's going to run away from me, or she's going to be receptive to it. You know, betting on the dice I'm tossing. I'm going to shoot my shot. Okay, you know, I'm thinking that's what it could mean. That's so, probably what it means. And so I, I guess, so I guess basically what he's saying is, he's sick of working, and because he's sick of working, he's going to fantasize about a woman, and he's betting, he's betting on the dice of uh, like his the dice. That he's tossing is having a fantasy about having sex with a woman in an elevator. 
Well, I, I, technically in the lyrics, we haven't gotten there yet. Betting on the days I'm tossing is like, I'm, I'm betting on myself. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I would think, I, I would like to think if he's talking about how much his job sucks, it's like, I'm going to bet on the dice that I'm, uh, I'm going to bet on myself that I can open my own business and be my own boss. But instead, no, no, it's a much lower, <laughs> a, a much lower pair of dice. He's playing the lowest game of CeeLo known to man. And it's one where he wants to jerk off thinking about a woman in an elevator. Well, that's the, the very low stakes. Dream right? high. I guess. Yeah. I, guess. <laughs> I mean, uh, um, I, I think I think the first four lines are that he's just trying to put himself in the shoes of, of, of every other guy out there that dreams of, you know, some hot chick that's unattainable. That's what we're trying. You know, I mean, obviously, you've read the title of the song. If you've got the record, you know, it's about love in an elevator. So it's got to be about a lady and shooting his shot with her. And <laughs> shooting his shot is right. Well, I mean, that, you know that's probably going to wind up happening. Anyway. Well, I mean, you know, especially when we look at the second half, he's basically saying, like, I'm betting on the dice I'm tossing that I'm going to have a fa- that I'm going to have a I'm going to have a fantasy. It, it just it sounds like what he's saying to me is work sucks. I'm going to so I'm going to bet on myself that I'm going to have a fantasy. And it's like, yeah, OK. You can do that. That's easy enough. Yeah. You don't really have to toss dice at all for that. Mm-mm. Just fucking think about a girl that you're into and jerk off, man. Well, it's, it's a metaphor. But then he says, but where am I going to look? Uh, anywhere. Okay. Magazines. This I mean, is where it gets a little bit. Yeah. A little. A little. Because I, I, now he's making it, it sound like it's hard to have a fantasy, mm-hmm. which I don't think is a work problem. I think it might be a him problem. Well. Dude, for those of us that work around dudes all day. Well, and I mean, we have to remember this is 1990, 1989. There was no Internet. You know, you had to find your dad's porn magazines like I did. Mm -hmm. And you have to use that. That's the way it's got to work. Like do something, whack it with a JCPenney catalog or something. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if I ever got that desperate, but maybe. I did. Um, Well, we also had descrambled TV. I got very lucky. I My have parents... very vivid memories of the the nude scene in Clash of the Titans and trying to trying to catch a look at that movie through that scrambled HBO. Yeah. yeah. My uh, my parents had a good friend who sold the scramblers, mm-hmm. and so we always had like the the latest up to date one, which meant that I got you know I got Playboy and I got Spice Channel. <laughs> A scrambler, uh, also known as a titifier. Oh, yeah. yeah. D-titifier. No, 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 titifier. Or no, I guess it's you're a getting titifier. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but where am I going to look? They tell me that love is blind. I don't know if we necessarily need to be talking about love. Don't know if it's applicable. In the words of all right now, <laughs> she said love. <laughs> Lord above. Um, yeah, so where am I going to look? They tell me that love is blind. And then this is one of those like cases of... Oh, I'm I'm turning a popular phrase on its ear. Mm-hmm. I really need a girl like an open book to read between the lines. Does that mean anything? We have to filter all of these things through the brain of Stephen Tyler. Between the lines is obviously Stephen Tyver. Stephen Tyver is obviously the middle part of the woman that you're aiming for. Uh-huh. Okay, whether it be betwixt these things right here that are up on the on the top of the torso or it's betwixt the legs. Yeah. It's between I think we're going from like the neck down to like right above the knees. The gooch. <laughs> right, exactly, yes. Somewhere in there. Um 
But yeah, I mean, I think that like a open book, oh, someone is an open book and reading between the lines. It's like, oh, this is reading and this is a book. So I'm just going to like put those lines together. Yeah. Because that sounds neat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but then I you mean, think about it and you're like, okay, I need a girl like an open book. Um. So I, I mean, I guess kind of what he's saying is I need a girl who will, is open to saying whatever she is that she's thinking to read between the lines of what I want without me having to directly say it. Which, if you're taking it like that, which is hyper-literally, which is, I mean, like, the, as best as I can discern what he's saying here, I don't really know why he needs that in particular when he's just trying to have a fantasy. I was just going to say, it doesn't lend itself well to the fantasy. Yeah, An open like, book doesn't. You I, know? See, I see him with his eyes closed in uh, a very ugly, like, marble bathroom, <laughs> jerking off and being like, oh, yeah, she knows what I mean without me having to be direct. Is that what Perry <laughs> Tyler's... <laughs> Tyler Perry's Perry. dick sounds like Tyler Perry. <laughs> oh Christ! Um, yes, Tyler Perry's dick sounds just like that before he did his Medea movies. Nerd. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, I guess even if it is meaning what it's supposed to be meaning, apparently, it is a very weird thing for a fantasy. I don't. I don't think he thought that much into it. Then, I, I, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. I, I don't think he really thought out the fantasy part. There's got to be some sort of mystery to the girl, but he just wants an open book. Doesn't work that way. I think. Yeah. You know. Gotta, well, I mean, you know, some people. I mean, I guess. well, I don't. I don't think it works that way for him. Yeah. When you've seen these, you know, just a weird thing to fantasize about, where you're like jerking off and like you're picturing having a sex with having sex with a girl doggy style, and she just goes, "When I was 12, I still ate my boogers," <laughs> and you're like, "Oh yeah." Tell me everything you're thinking. Just don't don't Mark, hold back. I don't back. think he was saying I want to be your therapist while we fuck. Well, I mean, being I an open book, I think. I know, when I think of being, I mean, of course, that's a little over the. I top. I think you're but. taking it over the top yourself. There, you're, well, yeah. Are you related to Tyler Perry, Mark? Are you <laughs> I, really? I wish. Then we get the chorus: loving an elevator, living it up when I'm going down, loving an elevator, loving it up till I hit the ground. How do you feel about that 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 ver- that chorus, man? I can't imagine eating pussy in an elevator is any fun. No, no, it's not. I can't imagine it's very practical. I can't imagine that anyone is having a. I mean, I guess it might be hot if you're into like the idea of someone maybe walking in. Yeah, yeah, that's the only um, and like a public sex thing, but. You've got to be like, I guess, getting on your knees, and I'm guessing she's got to like hold onto the rail and like maybe put her legs on your shoulders. I'm almost there. <laughs> <laughs> tell this me, is... tell me, you stole bubble gum when you're six years old, <laughs> and you keep thinking about it, and sometimes you can't sleep because of it. Give me that booger story again. <laughs> Give me the old boogie story. Oh, um, it's yeah, maybe it's maybe it's just a, a it's his way of saying I'm into voyeuristic. I mean, public displays. Maybe that's the only you know that's that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, but then, the loving it up when I hit till I hit the ground in a post nine eleven period, I can't help but think it's like something goes bad in the elevator and it fucking slides down really fast and next thing you know, bam, they're hitting the ground. You know. Well, here's old Steven Tyler. He says, Please. "I was in an elevator one day that had a seat and mirrors. What? It's the greatest place in the world to do it. Plus, you might get caught, so you can come even quicker." Which. I guess that's telling Steven Tyler's story <laughs> maybe a little bit more than we wanted to know, which was that Steve's bit he of comes an open very fast when he might get caught. Bit of an open book here. 
I mean, you got to admit, maybe he's yeah. maybe he's the fantasy all along. If you've ever seen him in interviews, he's not shy about talking about. Oh himself. no, no, no. Well, and I mean, you know, he's look, he is a sex symbol. Yeah. Um, and people love to clown on the way he looks now, saying that he looks like uh, you know, someone's lesbian mom who lets you uh smoke pot inside the house as long as you uh, you know, make sure that you get it tested first or whatever. And... I like his middle aged ladies beach hat that he wears now these days. <laughs> but uh, you know, he's definitely someone who is very secure in his sexuality. He does yeah. He I I think he's got no worries or inhibitions. When, none of the hang-ups that the rest of us might have to go through. Maybe, you know, having somebody catch you is what gets you off when you've become what he's become by by pump. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I think. So then we get the second verse. Much more on the nose. Jackie's in the elevator. Laundry second floor. She said, can I see you later? And love you just a little more. I kind of hope we get stuck. Nobody gets out alive. She said I'll show you how to fax in the mailroom, honey, and have you home by five. I'm going to be, listen to me, I'm going to be 100% fucking real with you right now. I never knew nobody a kid's out alive was a lyric. And I'm, this is my honest reaction of being absolutely fucking perplexed that he's saying he hopes he dies eating pussy in an elevator. What the fuck? I did know that that was it. What the fuck? But the realization of it being that is is a little a little bit off putting, I suppose. There's a famous thing. There's a famous thing that was played on a podcast that I listened to. Um, where a guy it, they they do live ad reads, not on the show, but they were talking about just say on a Hollywood show. Handbook. Well, it was actually the flagrant ones. Oh, I'm sorry, Hollywood Handbook, Jason. Um where they're talking about this guy who did a live ad read for Blue Chew. Do you know what Blue Chew is? I do not. Blue Chew is a Viagra. Like it, It's like Cialis or whatever, like Viagra. Chewable Viagra. It's chewable Viagra. Children's Viagra. <laughs> and so... <laughs> that's a way to put it. Okay, yeah, that's, that's going to live rent-free in my head for a long time. <laughs> So the guy basically had never read through the ad read before. And so he just, he starts reading. And I, it, it, when I'm editing this in a little bit, maybe it'll, it'll make me think to post it on, on uh, the Facebook. He is like, you know what else you could use is blue chew, blah, blah, blah. And he starts reading. He's like, to give you the same, whoa, <laughs> affects his Viagra. <laughs> uh, and then he reads some more and he goes so if you need that I guess go ahead and get it uh, oh man <laughs> and then it just like the like the automated like next thing just cuts in like cuts him off because he's just like he doesn't know what to say he like clearly had like, never read enough to find out what Blue Chew was or what the ad was about and he was just like, well, I don't need Blue Chew. If you need it, you can get it. Hey, all, this is Mark. I decided to just go ahead and post the ad here. Uh, this is Keith Pompey, who's doing a live ad read on a uh, podcast dedicated to the Philadelphia 76ers uh, doing an ad for Blue Chew. So here it is in its glory. You know what? 
Something else that I think you guys will enjoy is Blue Chew. You see, Blue Chew is an online service that de delivers the same active ingredients ooh, as Viagra, but in a chewable form. Now, so, so people who need that, you know, I guess you can use it. So, wow. But, uh, I don't know. So, like, I guess if you if you want that enhancement or whatever, you know, you can just use Blue Crew. Now, <laughs> I guess I'm going to get in trouble. But, <laughs> anyway, um, wow. So, uh, support for this podcast comes from State Farm. <laughs> That's how I feel reading this and reading being like, nobody gets out alive. <laughs> I, not just nobody. I hope nobody gets out alive. I hope that we get stuck. Nobody gets out alive. And that's where I have to go back to the first time that I saw this or heard this song, saw the video. I hope that we get stuck immediately conjures images of dogs in my shitty neighborhood getting stuck together. And you walk outside and they're walking back to back, you know, trying to figure out how to get unstuck. I think we would have a lot less situation or events in an elevator if humans got stuck together. Like uh, Tyler Perry's talking about here. I hope, I kind of hope we get stuck. I mean, oh. I know I know that's not what he's talking about. I think he's talking about stuck in the elevator. But uh, this, is, this is just what gets conjured up. Whenever anybody uses the word stuck, that's what I think. Yeah. Um, Jesus Christ. It'll be an open book today. Um, yeah. Well, let's start from the beginning. So Jackie's in the elevator. We know who the lady is. I, I, we, I don't even know if we know that this is the We've woman. We've got a name. Yeah, a name. sure. Sure. So she's in the elevator. Laundry, second floor. Mm -hmm. um, which, in the beginning, does she say laundry, second floor? Yes, yeah? Yes, she does. Hard, it's and you, uh, hardware, children's, children's wear, laundry. And la ladies' lingerie. Second floor. Oh, Mr. Tyler. Now, you mentioned in the beginning, and it's a, it, it bears repeating, why is hardware, children's wear, and lingerie all in the same in the same area? I have that's that is that's a that's real the question. question. That is a question that needs to be addressed. I think if you were to talk to him about the song, um, it, but she asks if she can see him later and love you just a little more, implying that they've already done it on the elevator. That there was some love. Yeah, that 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 it's done. And when they do meet <clears throat> later, is it going to be back on the elevator? Are they going to? rendezvous again on the elevator is it going to be somewhere else maybe in maybe in hardware somewhere yeah yeah um yeah maybe maybe children hopefully <laughs> not children's pickle. wear um god please no <laughs> anywhere but children's yeah, wear. anywhere um then we, then we get the line that really fucking just sent me back i kind of hope we get stuck nobody, nobody gets, gets out, out alive. alive she said i'll show you how to fax in the mail room honey and have you home by five I have a theory here, Mark. I think that, he, that he's talking about faxes because this is around the advent of faxes. We're looking at just a few years of fax machines, and he's like, oh, it's new, it's technology, I'm going to throw it in the song. Yeah, I think I that's think you're probably, probably right. why he put that in there. Um, fax in the mailroom also kind of sounds like fuck in the mailroom. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, 
I, I don't know if that was intentional, if, if it was supposed to be. I mean, there's definitely an, ent- an entendre there, a double entendre of like fax showing you how to fax in the mail. I shouldn't say double entendre. It's definitely like a wink and a nudge. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to show you how to fax in the mail room. It's like, yeah, okay. Nudge, nudge. You're not faxing. Yeah. You're fucking. Mm-hmm. It's some kind of love, <laughs> but not in an elevator. Let me put my dick in the ink toner. <clears throat> yeah. And have you home by five mm-hmm. because everybody knows when you work, it's like a nine to five thing. That's, that's quitting time. Because we're, because remember he's working like a dog for the boss man mm-hmm. and he's working for the company. Oh yeah. So, um, you know, this is, I guess, part of his fantasy. Then we get, uh, another chorus, another chorus, loving an elevator, loving it up when I'm going down, loving an elevator, loving it up till I hit the ground in the air. In the air, honey, one more time. Now it ain't fair. Loving an elevator, loving it up when I'm going down. What isn't fair? <laughs> you got fucking sucked off in an elevator, my dude. Yeah. Like, don't be stingy. Don't complain. <laughs> right? I don't want to hear like, one complaint out of any member of that band. Mom, God, one more time. <laughs> it's not fair. I want to get sucked off more. Dude, my brother in Christ, just feel lucky you got what you got. Yeah. Um, he's, he's it. All right. So now we get into the guitar solo, which is this, this is, is the, the f- longest, the first of two. Yes. Atrociously bad guitar solos. <laughs> You're <laughs> not digging it, huh? They suck, man. <clears throat> I don't. I mean, the first one's better than the second one. But this this first one, I just think is is wonky, wacky shit is garbage. Uh, one of the worst parts of the song, but then goes into this. This actually kind of really cool Wikipedia. I mean, I should say uh, Genius calls it an interlude. It's kind of like a weird middle eight type of thing without lyrics. Yeah. Um, without actual, you know, like sol- solid lyrics. It's just screaming things of love it, you know, going down over. But it's it's kind of cool. The think, 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 you know, that that the drum part in it. And then and then it gets into actually it it does that part, the interlude that you're talking about. And then it does this really shitty slide guitar solo part, um, just before it is this, Elevator, you know. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, and and it's it's it this the lyric. I mean, the, the vocals are kind of ridiculous. It's one of the cooler parts of the song. Um, there's some cool it. stuff. Yeah, but um, the, the guitar solos are both crap. So. Yeah, the guitar solo is kind of whatever. Especially the slide one, which <clears> really <throat> sucks. Matter of fact, I heard that. Joe Walsh wanted to beat Stephen Perry's ass, or Joe Perry's ass, Steve Perry's ass. It's so hard. He wanted to, to beat not. his ass too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just beat everyone. And Tyler ass. Perry. Fuck it. He wants to kick everybody's ass for that. Every slide Perry solo. and Tyler within a yeah. fucking twenty foot radius. Uh, so yeah, we get a little interlude thing that um, that uh, Seth was alluding to, and then we get like another little chorus, um, and then we get a third verse. How could we be so lucky? At this point, I think we should talk a little bit about the music video, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, the beginning, we get them dressed all fancy, and then it's just basically clips of them playing live. And, you know, like we mentioned before, the Bradley Whitford and um, uh, who's the other guy? Tom um, Hamilton. Tom Hamilton. The bass are, player, the awesome yeah, bass player, yeah. Are, are dressed like kind of in the same kind of like business 80s casual um, but, uh, Joe Perry is wearing a open vest with no t-shirt and cowboy pants replete with, uh, with, um, cow print 
Well, well, cow the cow pants with the uh, the what do they call them? The like the fringes, fringe? oh. the fringes on the side. I call them his Chick Fil A pants. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they are. Yes, they are Chick Fil A plant pants. Um, uh, S- Steve Tyler is dressed in what a woman would be dressed in before she went behind one of those uh, multi-fold screens. Uh, if he was a woman in an eighties movie, uh, what he would change into? He looks it's, like he looks like a Victorian era. It's uh, his finest Chinese silk. It's, it's, it's like it's like Victorian clothes or something. And again, he's built like a brick shit house. I mean, he's just he's in rare form. They're here. both kind of ripped. Oh, they're yeah, absolutely they're... ripped. And he does the little flip up thing that they always do. By and... ripped, I don't mean big muscles. No, no, I no. mean like tight, lean. You know, yeah, and they're like in their late forties. They got the now. cum yeah. gutters going on. Oh, like God, you know, Mark, please don't. <clears> they've they've got it. They've got it going on. Um, so the music video is a bunch of clips of you're going to be surprised to hear this people in elevators um and they're god such a weird grotesque um cavalcade of strange grouped people like an old woman and a and an adult man who is dressed in like a cub scouts or boy scouts uniform yeah, that was very and weird. he's like very like overacting like Oh yeah, like when those oh yeah parts come on. There is a guy who is um dressed kind of like a butcher who is holding a piece of meat, like a chicken or something. Uh-huh. And I think he's kind of like hitting it as if he's beating his meat, you understand. Uh that one just writes itself. There is a couple of little people. I yeah. believe that's the correct term. One of them is a guy that I've seen in movies. Uh, he's on top of a very tall woman, and he seems to be riding her uh-huh. kind of like a, a rodeo. Kind of like if you've <laughs> if you've ever played Mortal Kombat, kind of like Terra Four or Ferator, <laughs> who is the large person with a small person on their back that like controls them, uh, and then the, the large person throws the smaller person at people uh, to beat them up. Uh, that's going to be a very niche reference. God bless you. <laughs> well, we're you... going to go niche for a second again here because yeah. there's also a man holding a little woman. Yes. And he's dancing around with her and she seems to be emanating from his stomach, which is ironic because it is the little woman who shoots the Uzi in total recall. And in this, she looks very much like a coattle coming out of his stomach. Okay. Yeah. That's so, amazing. I know. We've come full circle. Yes, them, we yeah. really have. <clears throat> um, there is also <laughs> there's also a series of this guy who is kind of redheaded, and he is uh, in, the wom- in the ladies' wear section. Maybe ladies' lingerie. In the lingerie section. He is also in the lingerie section. Seth was saying he looked familiar, and he kind of does have one of those faces. He's talking to a woman and trying to, like, I guess, talk to her about something like getting, like, you know, a good deal on paint. And every time she would look away, he would steal panties mm-hmm. yep. and stuff them. And behind him were two mannequins. And I mentioned mannequin earlier, mm-hmm. I think. You did. These two mannequins, when you, much like much like Mario, whenever his back was turned to them, they would turn to life and dance around. They were wearing bikinis, very small. Bikinis. And then when he would turn mm. turn back and look at them, they would turn into mannequins. Mm. Whoa! Just like a just like a split second Kim Cattrall, bam! Yeah, like from out of nowhere, and not the slow mannequin we knew from the movie. He is increasingly mm. losing his mind. We. We are watching him fall into the depths of insanity. Mm. 
and you can tell he's like, I know something is going on back there. And he like kind of like does this thing where he puts his head down, then like turns around and uh, and there and there are mannequins again. You can see he's this guy is mentally troubled. Yeah, he's going <laughs> he's, through a destroyer a of worlds type moment. He's a kleptomaniac yeah. who is also seeing things. And but at the he, end of the music video, he's carrying both mannequins out. Looks like he's stealing them. He might be yeah. stealing them. He may have paid for. He may have just said, "Who knows how much?" So that way, I can see if these women are real. I will real. I will basically. It'll be indentured servitude. So there is. This is. Let me. But we can just sum it up with this. There is no shortage of wacky shit going on in this video. It's insane. <clears throat> it's just like fast cuts. And the, and like the the light emanating from the elevator is so fucking bright, and it's just like all these weird couples and all this weird stuff going on, and people holding people, and um, oh, and Joe Perry just absolutely tongue fucking some chick. Oh yeah, in an elevator. In that, that, as a matter of fact, I think that was the first thing I mentioned when we watched it. Is that yeah, he's totally. You know, you're thinking, oh, he's just like having a makeout scene with her. If you look. It like Mark described it. He is cramming his tongue down her throat. She looks like she's liking it. I don't know. Yeah, he's Joe Perry. But, I mean, oh my you know, goodness! It's, I, it's I think it's one of those things where it's like music video. Do you want to be in a music video? Sure. You have to tongue fuck Joe Perry. Yeah. And you just either sign on the dotted line or you don't. And I think you can probably find enough women that would be like, yeah. You want me to make out with a lead guitarist of fucking Aerosmith? Yeah. And I never thought of him as a, a very attractive guy. He kind of looks like Glass Joe from Mike Tyson's Punch-Out to <laughs> He's me. He's Glass Joe and Joe Jeff Goldblum mixed together, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's worse-looking people in the fucking world. Yeah, that's for yeah, sure. yeah. He's not horrible-looking, but he's just, he's not, he's a little unusual. Verse three. And we still have another verse, Mark. Oh, we do. <laughs> and it's kind of a weird one. Gonna be a penthouse pauper. Gonna be a millionaire. I'm gonna be a real fast talker and have me a love affair. Gotta get my timing right. It's a test that I got to pass. I'll chase you all the way to the stairway, honey. Kiss your sassafras. <laughs> Tell them about sassafras, Seth. Mark, the man seems. Tell them about fucking sassafras. Seems to love the word. God, he there's can't another get of it. Uh, Tallahassee sassafrasy is a rhyme scheme that was invented by none other than Tyler Perry, Steve Perry, Steven Tyler. And Steven Tyler Perry. he seems to he just seems to love that word. I wouldn't be shocked if there's some recording of him out there singing the word sarsaparilla just because it's sassafras adjacent. And he hasn't it's it's another way of expressing his love for sassafras. Uh, he loves that shit for some reason. And genius has something to say about it. Did you check that mark yet? Uh, no. You, hold on. Let's see what they have to say. Um, the lyric uh, suggested plan in this song is a single. Probably meant kiss your sassy ass. There's some asshole in genius land that's trying to put words into Steven's mouth. Well, we'll talk about that here yeah, in a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, genius not really kind of coming up short with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, going to be a penthouse pauper, going to be a millionaire. I, I would say that this is uh, maybe part of his aforementioned uh, his aforementioned dream, his aforementioned mm. fantasy. Well, it's got to be a fantasy because it contradicts itself. Paupers are not millionaires. Millionaires are not paupers. Um, it is a con it is an oxymoron in itself. A penthouse pauper. Um, yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's uh, it's uh, one of those jumbo shrimp military intelligence George Carlin type things. 
you know, but uh, going to be a millionaire. He's just putting himself out there. He's already a millionaire at this point. We know that. He's just trying to relate to the to the guy, the everyday guy. I wonder what timing he's talking about. Oh. I mean, maybe something like with a stock market or something. No, I don't think so. No? No, I think he's talking about his timing right with a lady. You know, you don't want to come on too strong. You want to save it for the, the, the proper... You want to save your words for the right time. But I mean, like, I, the beginning of this seems like it has nothing to do with ladies. He's he's talking about being rich and living in an elevator. <laughs> living in an elevator. Living, in, living an in a place elevator. that has an elevator, I guess. <laughs> um, and it seems like what he's saying... It, it, the way it reads to me is, <clears throat> look, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to have a nice place. I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to be a fast talker. Mm-hmm. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to have a love affair. I'm going to be so rich. It's, I'm going to be like the ultimate playboy. It's, I got to get my timing right. All right. So it's just a matter of like getting my timing right. Mm-hmm. It's a test that I've got to pass. Don't know what that means at all. <laughs> Don't. I mean, I guess he's just saying like getting his timing right is the test. Don't know what his timing right ne- needs to be right on. But then he kind of like completely <laughs> eschews all that and says, I'll chase you all the way to the stairway, honey. <laughs> okay. Why are you chasing her now? <laughs> now this sounds dangerous. <coughs> and then kiss your sassafras. Now, he does at one point in the song Home Sweet Home, mm-hmm. he rhymes Tallahassee with Sassafrassy. Yeah. Yes. So this is the second time he's used Sassafras in a song. He loves it. He loves it. Yeah. He, that's I don't know thing. why, uh, but if he does. only we could write lyrics like Tallahassee and Sassafrassy. God, one, one fine day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I why he's chasing her... Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not super keen on that. Um, I mean, we have every indication that shit's gone down in the alligator and alli- alligator. <laughs> <laughs> Loving an alligator. I, c- I can only get off if we're doing it in an alligator. I got to cut on it, open its belly, and we got to crawl inside. Um, it, we've already gotten an indication that that shit's already gone down in the elevator. Things have happened. Why does he need to chase her at this point? That's, I mean, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that, like, maybe she's cooled off on him, mm. and he's like, "Well, too bad, because I'm I, I'm gonna have me a love affair, yeah, and you're gonna be part of it." So it seems like he kind of turns heel here. I mean, not that at any point I'm really rooting for him, um, but yeah, and then yeah, kiss your sassafras. So as um, as you were mentioning uh, from the little bit that is. Uh, mentioned in the um, genius thing yeah, um so this is from the wikipedia article because they play this song a lot live in concert tyler often changes the lyrics to those that are more controversial and profanity laden on a version of the song featured on the live album a little south of sanity cold from the band's tours in the 1990s listeners can hear tyler say jackin in the elevator and lick your funky ass or lick your fucking ass instead of kiss your sassafras. So it might very well be that he wanted to say something dirtier and the label David Geffen was like, eh, eh, mm-hmm. no. Hey, this has to go into Walmart, Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Got to tone it down for the kids. Yeah. Sorry. Because the kids are going to listen to Love in an Elevator. Yeah. So to be all in all fairness, we did. <laughs> yep, we, we, we actually did. We certainly did. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but I think that we all understood that sassafras was a way of saying ass. Ass, yeah. Um, however, so yeah, he does. Uh, he does say lick your funky ass or lick your fucking ass. I like that. Which I mean, <laughs> I'm glad. I like that. that. I like that, Mark. <laughs> Seth is now jerking off in my room. I am, Mark. <laughs> You had yeah. to tell him, didn't you? <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, you can tell, uh, you know, and it's funny. I always thought he said jacket in the elevator. In the beginning I also, did too. I did too. In the beginning yeah. also, when he mentions rolling the dice, he definitely looks like he's jerking. He's making a jerk off. <laughs> Your mess as Mark you makes and, a jerk off motion. You and I looked at bedroom. each other like, <laughs> oh, this is, that's a jerk off thing he's doing. Um, so, yeah, then we get, uh, then we get a chorus like over and over again. Loving an elevator, loving it up when I'm going down. Loving an elevator, loving it up till we hit the ground. Will you care? Yeah. Will you care? Honey, one more time now. It ain't fair. Um, so he says, will you care again? Then he says, in the air. Yeah. Honey, one more, one more, one more, one more. Um, so he, he says the, will you care? And then uh, in the air. And now, the goes will back you and care forth. is about the most scary line in the song, man. <clears throat> it kind of is. Will you care? That doesn't yeah. sound good, man. Well, I'll, and I'll tell you why. Because it sounds like, have you ever heard the saying, sometimes it's better to ask forgiveness than, permission. than ask permission? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, Wrong. it's almost like it's going to be too late for you to really give your opinion by then. It's not, do you care or are you okay with this? It's, yeah. When it has happened, will you have cared? It's future tense, <laughs> yeah, it's, which makes it worse. Yeah it's, yeah, it's some kind of weird, fucked up, like time fuck. It's, it's like uh, "Sound and Fury" <laughs> by Faulkner. <laughs> A time fuck. <laughs> it's 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 Faulknerian. It's quantum fuck. It's quantum. It's, oh, God. it's a little bizarre. Yeah, this is a weird episode. Um, this and, is just a. And then we get the end where they all sing a cappella, and it is really all them. Well, there's there's also that that weird horn sounding oh, keyboard. Yes. And and <laughs> and Steven Tyler's doing this little thing, pretending like he's miming playing the trumpet. Yeah. Even though it is like the worst sounding fucking MIDI keyboard oh, it's trumpet. So bad. I've ever heard. But in my then life. we actually get to what I think is the best part of the song, which is the acapella. Which is the part. end, and it happens to be the acapella part. Which, I, I don't know if this was pointed out to you, when rock bands do acapella, but like barbershop shit in songs, I love it. I think it's great. I don't think there's ever a time that I'm like, oh, that sounds, that's awful. I don't like it. And they have somebody, and this is not common when rock bands do uh, acapella shit, barbershop type stuff, harmonizing. There's somebody doing a very good fucking bass part in there. Sounds really good. I don't know who's doing it in the song, but it sounds fucking awesome. Yeah, I think it's... I, I feel like it's always the bass player. I, I was just going to say Tom Hamilton. Yeah. But, you know, if we go by the if we go by the Van Halen index, we know that normally your high harmonies come from your bass player, but something makes me think it's Tom Hamilton. I think you're probably right. Yeah. I know whenever I've seen... Um, uh, whenever I've seen Weird Al, Steve J, who is the bassist of Weird Al, mm -hmm. he always sings the low parts. Okay. I think it's just kind of like always the way it works. And I've heard Tom Tom Hamilton's voice in real life, and he does talk really low. So so that's the song. Yeah. Um, we made it through. We made it through. Yeah. Um, Mark. Yeah. Creep Factor. We have to go right to it because it, it there's a lot to talk about when it comes to Creep Factor in this song, I think. Yeah. There is. <clears throat> um... Think about this, man. I think this is going to be an important one. 
I mean... Well, let me say this. It, aside from the ending, he it sounds like everything is pretty consensual. I mean, it's... You know, I mean, it's it's them talking about being, I mean, and, you know, he says, she says going down and he goes. <laughs> mm. So, I mean, it seems like we're dealing with some like uh, come see, come saw stuff. Now, him saying, uh, I think the big thing is I hope we all get stuck and nobody gets out alive yeah. is pretty fucking intense. Creepy is kind of a weird word for it. Maybe not. Maybe it is pretty creepy. It's creepy. Um, and then I'm going to chase you all the way to the stairway, honey, and kiss your sassafras. It's not the highest we've ever done. I'll give it a, uh, I'll give it a, um, I feel like the number that I want to put on it makes me want to like retroactively change some of my other numbers. (laughs) Um, I'll give it a flat seven. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. That's a good one. That's 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 fair. And and I think I'm gonna go the same direction with you. And actually the same the words that I was going to say is if you look at this mostly, it seems somewhat consensual. I was almost gonna say word for word what you were at the beginning of mine. So I'll just say, yes, I agree with that. Verse one, it's nothing there other than, you know, the the moan and the scream in his voice that gives away the noises that he makes when he might do it, you know, is is kind of but we're talking about lyrics here. Yeah, when you get into the second verse and nobody gets out alive, it <laughs> sounds a little dangerous. Yeah. And by the third verse, you know, you're getting down to that, you know, uh, you're getting to that, I'll chase you all the way, you know? I mean, <laughs> which gives you the uh, more of an indication that maybe not everything went the way that it should have. And then it, what really, really tops it off and puts it at that seven where you're at Will you care? Will you care? Will, mm. And he's repeating it over and over. Yeah. So it creeps it out. So yeah, it's not it. You know, for the most part, it sounds like a guy trying to have a good time, and he gets a little carried away, which is why I'm going to agree with you on that seven and just take it up a notch higher with a seven point one. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on this. One. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, definitely a weird song. Uh, I'm still still reeling from that. I hope that we yeah. get stuck. Nobody gets out alive. I mean, what an absolute fucking what a fucking what a shock. It just comes out of nowhere. <clears throat> it does. Yeah, it's such a party song and then nobody gets out alive. <laughs> it goes all slayer on us. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh it's it's bizarre. Um let's go to back let's go back to where it began. What are we gonna do? Rod Stewart again or no. Hart? No. <laughs> Think back to the first episode. Oh, 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 shit. What we, made this happen? Yeah. What, I, made, what made us come together right now over Mark's bedroom? We, Billy uh, Squire. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do Billy Squire Lonely as the Night. Oh, fuck that song. Um, it's, it's a strange one. If you've been listening, you will know that I fucking can't stand Billy Squire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's shit. Yeah. And The Stroke is the first song we ever did, Lonely as the Night. Is an Billy Squire song that's going to be a lot of fun to do. Yeah. It's on the list. So let's go ahead and knock it off. Oh, um, so before the next episode, listen to Billy Squire, Lonely is the Night. Seth, anything you want to wrap up before we finish up here? I'm so glad. But we get so many people that are talking to us on on on, uh, on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Please go out there and look for them. Tell a couple of friends. I'm so 
So happy that people have told us in the last couple of weeks. I enjoy hearing you guys. Like, this episode cracks me up. I love it when I hear somebody say that. Oh, um, and, absolutely. Uh, and, and hopefully more people are going to catch on and, and listen more and more. In the meantime, Mark and I are going to come in here. And even when we're not in front of microphones, talk about fucking music like we did last night all night. Yes. Um, and, oh, yeah. uh, and I hope that you guys get to peer into that and uh, maybe agree, disagree. Tell us what you think. Please go on those resources and those outlets to let us know tell a friend mark number 33 in oman for music commentary <laughs> number 178 in thailand for music commentary oman i think is kind of a repressed muslim dictatorship i'm not sure well we love you we love them we Absolutely. love you over here yeah and if you can if you have some way listen to lonely as a night um by uh by seth's uh absolute muse favorite. yeah <laughs> And we will be back next Monday going down <laughs> with another episode of Lyrics to Go. Thanks a lot for listening. Our theme song was done by Exploding Pages. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for songs or lyrics, you can send them to lyrics to go pod at gmail.com. We'll be back here next week. <laughs>